Sunday, November the 28th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Great job. Thanks, uh, Rich. Thanks, Izzy, as well, and the worship team and everybody else. We're going to bring this uh, series into land in the next uh, few moments. Look where I am. The big headline theme is this. Wherever we find ourselves, wherever that might be, and however we got there, there's always a purpose because God always has a plan. Remember when we began way back in September, thinking about Abraham, and Abraham very deliberately ended up in the place of God's choosing, and God had a plan there. Joseph ended up in the place of God's choosing by all kinds of unscrupulous means. Nevertheless, wherever they found themselves, God wasn't caught off guard. God wasn't thrown off his plan. And so we can be confident that in all the places where we find ourselves, be that in our church, in our home, in our street, in our work, in our community, there's purpose because God always has a plan. And we're ending these uh, this series with two Sundays, last Sunday and today, thinking about our work. Now, for many of us, our work is where we spend nine to five or perhaps eight to six or wherever it might be. But I, I want to do what I did last week and remind us that our, that our work, our responsibility covers much more than just that. If you're under the age of three, maybe you don't do any work. But three and upwards, people find themselves with one kind of responsibility or another. So whether it's housework or schoolwork or office work or community work or voluntary work, it's all work. Whether you do it for yourself or for those in your family, those in your street or those in your workplace, whether you're paid or unpaid, it's all Work, And that's what we're thinking about as we bring this series to a close. Uh, I found last week really helpful. I know that's a strange thing to say, having done it myself. But you know, when you look at stuff and you think, I, I really kind of captured something afresh, I uh, hope, last week. So if you missed last week, I encourage you to, to find that wherever you get Burlington podcasts uh, from. And uh, uh, to just recap on that. Because the, the big picture last week was that your work, what you do, even if you get up in the morning and make the bed and you tidy up your bedroom, even the, the little things that we do are in synergy, are in sync with the God of the universe. God brings order out of chaos. So when you pick that sock up from the bedroom floor, you are doing something much more. You are part of a bigger story than just the sock and your bedroom floor, if that's what your work is first thing in uh, the morning. Today, though, I want us to think about what heaven thinks about our work. So uh, feedback and appraisals and all of those 
type of mechanisms are everyday currency in our ordinary working day lives. If God was to appraise me, what would that appraisal be like? If heaven was to give me some feedback, what would heaven say? Now, we have a love-hate relationship, don't we, with feedback. We know that feedback, if it's good or encouraging, can really boost us and propel us forward. We know that negative feedback has the potential to crush us. Nevertheless, we know that uh, if it's handled well by those that give it to us and those of us when we receive it, it provides opportunity for us to improve, for us to grow and to learn and to develop. So what's the feedback? From a heavenly perspective. In a way, Jesus talked about this, didn't he? He said in those verses that uh, Rich read to us, you are the salt of the earth. Notice it was the salt of the earth, not the salt of the church. It was the salt of the earth. Salt does its job when it's spread out over the earth. We are salt, not when we're gathered together in the salt cellar right here, but when we are spread out into our everyday working uh, lives. Salt does its work when it's spread out. But Jesus says, look, salt can become saltiless, useless, which begs the question, how salty are we? How salty are we? Jesus said the same thing with different words, a a very uh, typical way of preaching and speaking. You say something once, you know that no one's listening, so you say it again in the hope that someone will hear it the second time. And uh, no one's uh, laughing to that, which means you didn't hear the first one or the second one. Uh, but there we are. You are the light of the world, which begs the question, how well is your light shining? How many lumens are you at work at the moment? Uh, and how do we measure it anyway? How do you measure the saltiness of salt or the lightness, the brightness of our light? Now, I guess given our human nature... Our instinctive response is, well, however salty I am, or however bright I am, it's probably not salty or bright enough. We're pretty good at picking up the negative end of things, aren't we, as human beings? It's probably not good enough. We live with that sense that on our report is, should try harder. And uh, But what if, what if there was some feedback from heaven today that made us feel we were doing better than we thought? Wouldn't that be an encouragement? Wouldn't that spur us on? Imagine a little wink from the father going, do you know what? You're doing better than you think you are. That would be an encouraging appraisal. What if the feedback that was like that gave us steps to help us improve even more? Not only would we know what to do, we'd have some energy to do it. The joy of our work being acknowledged by God, the empowering of a positive note from heaven, the impact of of an encouraging word. Well, how do we measure it? How do we think about our saltiness and our brightness? It's all about Jesus, as we know. And he, he was the most salty salt, if that even be a phrase. He was the, the brightest of lights. The, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it so it's it's his character it's his ways it's his purposes he is our guide as we abide in him the bible says we will bear much fruit 
The London Institute of Contemporary Christianity has done quite a lot of work to help us think, no pun intended, about our work. And particularly to help us think about what does it mean for us to be salty in our working lives? What does it mean to have an increased uh, brightness with our light in the things that we are responsible for? Dallas Willard, uh, the famous spiritual director and writer and theologian, said that discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. If Jesus was a physiotherapist or a radiographer or a TA or a traffic warden, would Jesus ever be a traffic warden or a bank manager or a police officer? whatever it might be. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Isn't that encouraging? Because we have lived sometimes with the, well, I just do this, but people who are really serving God do that. I'm just a housewife, but that person is a missionary. In other words, that they serve God better in some way, or somehow that's more important than this. And that's what we were trying to see last time, that there is not that hierarchy. There isn't that hierarchy in the kingdom of God at all, that all our work is valuable. So whether it's a housewife or a missionary, whether it's a police officer or a dentist, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were Me, if he were you. And the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity have come up with six headings to help us think about that. And I thought these headings were really helpful, so there was no point reinventing the wheel. And they call them the six M's. The first one is to model godly character. Being like Jesus means that we model his character. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We all have, every single day, the opportunity to exhibit the character of Jesus. There isn't a job on the face of the planet where that is not an invitation. A housewife, or the missionary, or the policeman, or the dentist, or the student, or the college graduate, whatever it might be, every single day, wouldn't you agree, we have the opportunity to step in to the character of Jesus or to step away from it. You with me? Second mark of being like Jesus in our work is to make good work, to do a good job. And there isn't a job on the whole of the planet where you don't have the opportunity to do a good job Or not do it very well at all. Whatever we do, either physically the act or the attitude with which we do it in, we have the opportunity to do a good job. Are you doing a good job? Do you take pride in your work, in your responsibility? Are you developing your skills? Do you put your heart into it? Are you honoring it like it matters? Are you serving well, communicating well, keeping your promise, being open and fair, 
Are you giving the right attention to detail? Third mark of being like Jesus in our work is to minister grace and love. Again, there's hardly any job on the face of the planet where we don't have an opportunity in one way or another, either through the job or incidental to the job, to minister grace and love. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's got much more perhaps to do with who we are than what we do. One of the waste management team that drive the, I want to say the dust cart, but I think that's not the right word. What's the name of the the cart that comes around and picks up our bins? It's the dust cart. Okay, good. So the dust cart comes into our close with its lights flashing and all of that stuff at about six o'clock in the morning. And when the kids were younger, uh, they would rush to the window with the noise and the lights. We were glad for them to do something for a nanosecond at six o'clock in the morning because it's the worst time in the world for parents, isn't it? And they would go to the, to the window to see the dust cart. And there was always one chap who was part of the team of dust people. Uh, who, who were, uh, clearing away our rubbish. And he had the biggest smile you could imagine from ear to ear. And he would wave to everybody that he met. And as soon as he saw our kids in the window, he would wave to them. I don't know why waving is one of those things you have to demonstrate it as if we don't know what waving means. It's like when you say, I was on the phone, and you do this, as if we don't know what being on the phone means. I I have no idea why that is. But anyway, they waved him, and he immediately waved back. And I thought, wow, go him. He's very physical, dirty job, and yet he's beaming and smiling and waving. And then I go, well, it's six o'clock in the morning. He's started off well. But one particular day, hours later in the day, We caught up just around the streets with that same dust cart, with that same waste management team. And that same guy was still waving and still smiling and still interacting with everybody that he met. Now, this is probably 15 years ago. So it made an impression on me because in the most unlikely of context, he was ministering grace and love. Not least the task of cleaning up our rubbish and helping us to live healthy lives. How do you do your job? What's the atmosphere that you create around what you do? What do you bring with you into the room in addition to the skills and the energy that you're going to put into the particular task? Assuming that you have got some skills and energy towards the particular task. But even if you haven't, what do you bring into the room as you come? How do you do your job? Fourth mark, mold the culture. Bringing the kingdom of God is all about molding the culture. Now, I think we don't really believe that we can do that unless we hold particular, uh, uh, a particular level of perhaps what we might call authority or, or responsibility within an organization or with. But the truth is we can mold culture around us wherever we are. And culture starts with us. Jesus says changing the culture is like you get a little bit of yeast, a little bit of the new culture, and you slowly work it into the whole of the dough. So culture change starts with us. We do it slightly differently and then others around us do it slightly differently and we start a movement of changing the culture. 
the guy that looks after our cars has created a culture around himself of openness, transparency, and honesty. That's not what's typically understood from his industry, is it? We are nervous of people that look after our cars because we're worried that they will not be honest. They will fleece us. They will do some work that doesn't need to be done. And and there's a contrast with the person that said to me, I don't know what part of the car is because I don't really do cars and stuff, who said to me, you could save 500 quid if I seal this up and they'll never know when it comes to the MOT. Hmm. So, of course, I did. No, I didn't. (laughs) In contrast, this guy, through consistency of being open and honest and transparent, means that a couple of weeks ago, when I was away and the car broke down and stuff, and I said to to Joel, you can take it to the guy and just do what he says. It'll be fine. They'll sort it out. They won't fleece us off. They won't. Why? Because the culture around That particular individual has been established. What culture do we establish around our working patterns and principles? Okay, fifthly, we're coming to a close quickly. Fifthly, the mouthpiece for truth and justice. I guess this speaks for itself, doesn't it? In the classroom, do you stand up for the person that's being oppressed and ridiculed and put down? Do you do that in the office, the factory? Do you stand up for something that's fair and right, even though it might not be personally beneficial? Do you make sure in all your dealings that you are on the side of fighting for truth and justice? And the sixth M, finally, being a messenger of the gospel. Of course, of course, there are times when we talk about our faith. And we do that naturally because we share our lives with others. We're going to watch two very short clips that help us think about these six different aspects of our working lives from two different perspectives. They're on the LICC website. There are more of them there. You can uh, find out about other uh, people who are retired are on there and plumbers are on there, all sorts of other different examples. So these are just two. And once we've watched these two, and they're two minutes each, uh, the young people are going to go to their groups, but we're going to stay here and try and process a little bit about what it might mean for us. Thank you, Mark. Here we go. Merrin works as a minicab driver. For her, driving is a ministry of hospitality, not just transportation. So how does she express the six M's of fruitfulness in her day? Her clients may come to her through an app, but Merrin sees each one as God sent. Modelling godly character requires patience with London traffic and self-control with clients who bring their bad day, their pain, anger and stress into her space. She needs peace because some are abusive, threatening even. Sometimes she's afraid and prays to Christ her protector, whose image is there on the dashboard to remind her, I'm with you. Making good work means keeping the car spotless, driving smoothly and quickly assessing if the passenger wants to be left with their thoughts, their papers, their phone, or if they want to talk. Sometimes ministering grace and love means carrying on talking long after they've arrived, turning off the app so she doesn't get pinged for another ride. Moulding culture means creating a welcoming space, wanting these strangers to feel better when they arrive than when they started. 
Being a mouthpiece for truth and justice includes tapping in a one-star evaluation for a rude passenger, so her fellow drivers will know to be wary, even though that might cost her a tip. And as she listens to people's concerns, she's often able to be a messenger of the gospel, to encourage them to pray, or share how Jesus has helped her on her journey, and can help them on theirs. What does living the six M's of fruitfulness look like for you? Chan is an anaesthetist working in a busy hospital. How does she express the six M's of fruitfulness in her job? She prays for the fruit of the spirit so that she can model godly character gentleness with anxious patients as she prepares them for the op, patience with her colleagues if things aren't going well, responding calmly and kindly when emotions overheat. For her, making good work is not just pastoral, it's technical. She loves the geeky figuring out of the optimal drugs for a patient, minimizing side effects and recovery time. Jan ministers grace and love to her team. Taking the time to have a corridor conversation with an overwhelmed junior doctor who needs reassurance and maybe encouraging them to go for counselling. And she's been open about her own struggles. She took the initiative to help create a coffee club, a safe space to have an unfiltered conversation, moulding a culture of support and honesty. During the pandemic, she was not afraid to be a mouthpiece for truth and justice speaking up untiringly to protect the well-being of her exhausted colleagues and practically picking up someone else's emergency call when they were just overloaded. And they know she's a Christian and she's ready to be a messenger of the gospel to answer questions about her faith in God's time. How might you live out the six M's of fruitfulness in your life? What I'd like us to do is just to try and land it, and it's different, it lands differently for uh, each one of us. The Bible says to think of ourselves with sober judgment, which doesn't mean to think that you're useless and rubbish, and neither is it to think that you're totally brilliant and more like Jesus than Jesus was like himself. But somewhere in the middle is the truth about you and me. So I'd like you to think about, um, I didn't print all these out and hand them around because you've all got phones and you've all got pens and paper and stuff. Uh, but I'd like you to think about if, if you had a, a, a form or something like that, where you would put two ticks as you think back over the last week in your work, which could be housework, could be your missionary, could be your policeman or your dentist or your plumber or your physiotherapist, whatever, whatever it is. So, so, so two ways in which you think, do you know what? I often find myself ministering grace and love, for example. Or do you know what? I think I do model godly character. Everyone around me is a right stress ball at the minute, and I think I bring some peace into that situation. Put one tick, perhaps, where there are things that you think, well, perhaps I could do that more, but I know that I, I sometimes do it. I, I sometimes give of my best at work. 
or at school or wherever it might be. I, I sometimes, I know I could try harder. Sometimes I do. Or, or sometimes I'm the mouthpiece for truth and justice, but I know that sometimes it's easier for me not to be and I just keep myself quiet and I don't speak up or speak out. Uh, and then, and then maybe there is, there is something you know you struggle with. Many of us would go, well, I struggle with the speaking up bit. I struggle with being a messenger of the gospel. And, and you know what? I, I've never really thought about the fact that I could mold or change the culture. That's a, a new idea or a new thought today. I'm going to embrace that um, a little bit. So for sort of 90 seconds, how would you have filled in that chart over this last, for, for this, for this last week? Go. Encourage me a little bit. Get something out that you might be able to put something down on. Just, uh, just, just get your phone or something. Pretend, for my sake, even if you're tuning out now. Wonderful, Chris. You go for it. Two fives? Oh, yeah. Well spotted. It's just to show that it's live. Great. Now, can continue that conversation with someone around you. What was interesting to you about filling in that uh, or having that reflection? Share something interesting with the next person and then invite them to reciprocate. Something interesting that you noticed that caught your attention. Maybe it caught your attention because it worried you or maybe it caught your attention because, you know what, I'm doing better than I thought. That's not so bad after all. Okay, 30, 30 more seconds of uh, conversation together. Okay, can I invite you to be quiet and attentive again, like you are in church? So what one small thing, what one small thing could you do this week? What one small thing could you do this week that just helps you lean in to being a little bit more salty? What one small thing could you do this week that helps you lean into just being a little bit more of a light in that place? It's not necessary that you need to shine brighter. Jesus' whole point was don't get a light and stick it under a bowl. So there may be somewhere where you need to allow, ooh, allow, allow your light. Ta-da! Just like rehearsals, guys. That's brilliant. Uh, where your light needs to, to shine. So let's be quiet for a moment. Let's just do this by ourselves just for a second. I'd encourage you to work really hard at thinking of something, something that's very real and practical that you can actually do. It might be about molding um, character. It might be, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do those dishes and I'm going to do that with perseverance and patience and a joyful heart. 
It might be that actually work's been really tough and I, I, I'm, I'm at the stage where I could just get through. But no, this week I'm gonna, I'm gonna work at that project, uh, as if my, as if it's for Jesus. Or that person that's in the office that I've been too busy to care about, I'm gonna minister love and grace this week. Well, I'm actually going to believe that the way I live and move and be and pray can change the culture, starting with me. Do you know what? That issue's been going on, and it's time for someone to speak up and to speak out. I'll do that this week. Three times now, that person has mentioned something that suggests to me they're open about faith. I'm going to talk about Jesus this week. What one thing, what one thing could you do this week?